Compass Media Networks. This is America's First News. This weekend with your host, Gordon Deal. Lose weight, gain the edge. I'm Gordon Deal with Nicole Murray. Thanks for spending part of your weekend with us. Here's what's coming up this hour. Workers who've dropped pounds say they get viewed more favorably on the job. Hear how weight loss is boosting careers. You may know about the college that lost a basketball game by 141 points recently. Hear why they're eager for a rematch. On the health front, do cold showers provide any physical benefits? Hear what happened when a journalist tried it for a year. And giving the thumbs down to dry January. Let's begin with probably the most key bullet point. If you have a major drinking problem, and you know, there are various ways you can define that and various ways you can check check on that. But if you have a major drinking problem, you know, you don't necessarily want to stop cold turkey for a month. You, or if you, the real point is you need to be under medical supervision. Charles Passy at MarketWatch on why he's skipping dry January. Well, they aren't sure whether it's fair, but people who have lost weight say that getting in shape has helped their careers. More from Callum Borchers, columnist at the Wall Street Journal. Cal, what have you found? Well, what I found is that there's sort of two different ways in which dropping weight can help some people in their careers. Now, one is some told me they genuinely feel like they got better at their jobs after getting in better shape in the sense that they were in better health. Maybe they brought more energy to work. They had more confidence. And that sort of comes through in the way they conduct themselves. So there can be actual ways in which you're a better performer. But mostly, Gordon, what I heard was folks saying, I'm perceived differently by other people and I've got mixed feelings about that. I mean, it's nice to be doing well at work, but should I have had to get slimmer uh, to get ahead at the office? There's something that feels unfair about that. Mm. All right. So therein is the weight bias, right, that, that exists. Explain. Yeah, weight bias is something that uh, has been chronicled in study after study, which basically show that uh, people who are overweight in general are paid and promoted less than their slimmer colleagues. And so uh, what that tells you is that uh, there is some bias against people who are heavy in the workplace. And when I talked to uh, a psychologist uh, named Susan Albers at the Cleveland Clinic about this, she said, you know, it's a little bit more nuanced than just saying, oh, we like skinny people more than, than heavy people. It's we're projecting values or virtues on somebody who appears to be physically fit, where we're assuming, oh, this person must be really disciplined. Uh, they're a goal setter. They're consistent. And that may be true, but you could also be way off base. Mm. We're speaking with Callum Borchers, columnist at The Wall Street Journal. This piece is called The Link Between Weight Loss and Work Success. Uh, you profiled this guy, Tynan Phelan. Uh, I, uh, I think he's a cannabis recruiter. Uh, explain what he's gone through. Yeah, he's dropped 70 pounds over the last year. This was his New Year's resolution last year, and he kept it. So he's dropped a lot of weight, went from 270 down to about 200 even. And he sees it really show up when he goes to networking events. That's a big part of his job as a recruiter. And he described himself as kind of a wallflower uh, when he was at his heaviest. And he says, you know, now, you know, what he's finding is that people approach him more warmly when he goes to these networking events. And and in a tangible way, you know, you can't prove it. But he says, you know, I, I think that the lack of confidence that I had when I was heavier, uh, you know, sometimes people can can sniff that out and, and you lose the executive search contract that you were hoping to close. He feels like he's closing more of those deals now, partly because of the confidence boost that he feels about himself. Wow. Um, you spoke to this woman, too, Melanie Borden. Similar thing? 
With Melanie, she had a real health scare, Gordon. You know, she ended up in the emergency room about 14 months ago with a panic attack. And she says it was really the result of a whole bunch of habits that were kind of unhealthy. She was she was a night owl, you know, working until two or three in the morning sometimes. She's a small business owner. Uh, so 100 hour work weeks were, were typical for her. Um, she said she'd stopped being active, wasn't watching what she ate. And so she really sort of changed her, her habits after uh, after this panic attack. And she's dropped 40 pounds over the last year. And she too says that she sees a difference in the way people respond to her. Uh, she does feel like she's uh, you know, more energetic and on her game at work in, in certain ways. But she says, you know, I, I'd be kidding myself if I didn't think that the way people look at me, like physically look at me, uh, makes a difference in my in my recent professional success. She's been growing her team. She's hired more people and she expects to hire more this year. Wow. Uh, did you get the sense in your conversations with folks that there's a a men versus women approach here to all this? You know, I, I think that it's uh, probably widely agreed upon that women feel this kind of bias more strongly than men, but not exclusively. I mean, I, I certainly spoke with men in this story who felt that they too uh, were, were either victims of, of weight bias or then benefited uh, after the fact, after, after losing. I'll give you an example. I, I spoke with a, a man named J, uh, Jared Brubaker, who's uh, he's a father of seven. And when he turned 40, uh, he decided it was time to get himself in shape. And he's dropped 62 pounds since then. Um, he's the chief operating officer of a plastics manufacturer in Indiana. And he says, you know, he does feel like people view him as a leader differently. And in fact, he's getting into leadership coaching now, partly on the premise that, uh, you know, being viewed as somebody who can manage all these different priorities, a big time job, a large family, and also making time to stay in shape. Hmm. There's a certain credibility that comes with that. So yeah. it, this is not something that's exclusive to one gender. Thanks, Cal. Callum Borchers, he writes the On the Clock column at the Wall Street Journal. Let's face it, America has a drinking problem, as in too many of us consume way too much alcohol and pay the price in terms of our health, our careers, and our relationships. And yet Charles Passy, opinion writer at MarketWatch, is skeptical about dry January. Charles, why? Well, let's begin with the fact a lot of people are doing dry January. I don't know if you're like me, but I feel like every time I turn to one of my social media channels, I've got, you know, 28 friends who are talking about, I'm doing dry January, I'm going to be healthy, it's the new year and all that. And, you know, I got to thinking a little bit about it and talked to a lot of experts, particularly in the field of, of alcoholism and addiction, and sort of took a little bit of a closer look about it. So let's begin with probably the most key bullet point. If you have a major drinking problem, and, you know, there are various ways you can define that and various ways you can check, to check on that, but if you have a major drinking problem, you know, you don't necessarily want to stop cold turkey for a month, You or if you... The real point is you need to be under medical supervision. This is not an easy thing to do if you have a serious drinking problem, and you can go through withdrawal that can be very difficult to manage, can actually even be deadly. So, again, if you have a serious drinking problem, don't just casually say, I'm going to do dry January. And I think that's a message that has not gotten out there. Yeah. The other thing is you also have to look at why you're drinking. So, you know, stopping drinking, you know, drinking, people use it to, you know, you've heard the term self-medicate. People drink to, to deal with depression, to deal with stress, to deal with anxiety, all those things. You know, 
just because you stop drinking, the causes underlying the reasons you may be drinking don't go away. That's yet another reason why, you know, if you feel you really have an issue with alcohol, you want to seek professional help as you try to go off of it. So, uh, again, uh, you know, these are things not to take lightly. Now, then there's the category of people who are like, well, I think I drink a little too much. I'd like to see if this would be helpful to me. Maybe I'll learn a few things. And that's kind of a different category. But even then, you know, I have my share of skepticism, again, from talking to people. And, you know, I would say one of the key issues here is that, you know, giving it up for a month may lead to actually drinking more down the road. I mean, you know, know, the joke I make is dry January could lead to overindulgent February. Mm -hmm. And that's Probably not your goal either. Right. We're speaking with Charles Passy. He's written an opinion piece for Market Watch called Why Dry January is a Bad Idea. You said in your piece, too, that non-alcoholic drinks miss the point. How come? Oh, well, you know, a couple of things. One is that they're terrible. <laughs> I mean, you know, we can, I mean, I'm sure many of the producers of non-alcoholic drin, gin, non-alcoholic vodka, there's all the non-alcoholic wines. You know, and then all these non-alcoholic mocktails or, you know, mocktails, non-alcoholic cocktails. Um, You know, yes, there are a few of them that I'm sure are good. I've had a few that are, you know, passable. But, you know, um, you know, these drinks are often too sweet. You know, if you if if you know what a gin tastes like and you've tried a non-alcoholic one. Yeah, you know, maybe it gives you a little hint of that idea, but it's not the same thing. Um, You know, my 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 point is, if you really want a great non-alcoholic drink, Try a Coke. They're, they're really tasty soft drinks or whatever, you know. So, you know, um, uh, but, but, but what that also tells me is, look, there is a non-alcoholic version of White Claw, the hard seltzer brand. You know, last I checked, non-alcoholic hard seltzer used to just be called seltzer. Um, so, um, so, but I think what that's telling you is this has become trendy and fashionable. You know, when, 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 when brands and marketers jump on something, it kind of it kind of makes you wonder what's going on here. And I think what's going on here is there's a bandwagon that everybody's jumping on. And, you know, are we doing this because we think it's cool and trendy or are we doing it because we really want to address a drinking issue? And so, you know, so, so you've got people who are doing it, jumping on these products that probably don't taste that good. Um, and, uh, and, and are they doing it for legitimate reasons or are they just kind of want to join the cool crowd and do dry January? Thanks, Charles. Charles Passy writing an opinion piece for Market Watch. Coming up next, getting healthy with your dog this year. Now your ideas don't have to wait. Now they have everything they need to come to life. Dell Technologies and Intel are creating technology that loves ideas, loves expanding your business, evolving your passions. We push what technology can do so great ideas can happen right now. Find out how to bring your ideas to life at dell.com slash welcome to now. That's dell.com slash welcome to now. Glad you could spend some time with us. Chances are you've made a New Year's health resolution for yourself. But how can you include your dog in this process? Here's this weekend's Nicole Murray. We are kicking off a new year, which means a newfound focus on resolutions, improving one's health. And a lot of people who focus on exercise or maybe eating healthy foods, well, there is a four-legged someone in their house that may be helping them more than they think. 
your puppers. Um, so here to discuss with me, Maria Dello, author of Theodore Says, Dogs Are People Too. Do you have a dog? Oh my God, yes I do. She's my pride and joy. So I'm sure I'm going to be able to relate to some of the tactics you're about to tell me about how owners can get healthier with their dogs. What are some of the things you suggest? Well, first of all, um, you know, everyone is trying to lose weight in 2024. And just think about it. I mean, like, you have to walk your dog. There's no way you can't. So you have to walk your dog, let your dog out. And just being outside, I mean, typically dogs usually take like four to five walks a day. So can you imagine the steps that we encounter just by walking our dogs? That's thousands of steps a day. So that right there helps with activity levels and weight loss just by walking your dog and getting fresh air. The other thing is it it's, makes you more social. Think about it. When you're walking your dog and you bump into someone else, you, you're more social. You become more approachable when walking your dog. So these are just two, you know, minor benefits. But the other thing is just by petting your dog, you can have just less anxiety, less stress. You know, I mean, it's it just a key to longevity is just having a dog. Did you you said petting your dog is what gives you less anxiety? Yes, I mean, studies have shown just by petting your dog, you could have less anxiety. It's actually they showed um, just I mean, just by having a dog, you have better a better heart health. I mean, it you become more social. Your cholesterol goes down. Your blood pressure goes down. And by the way, I mean, if you have kids and you have a family, you're bonding with your family because you're doing things with the dog, right? I mean, everyone loves to walk the dog. So, and it even shows that you have less depression because if you're isolated and you have to get outside to walk the dog, you're less, you know, you're just more social, basically. You're getting outside, fresh air, circulation, I mean, um, less anxiety, you know, it, ha- it shows a 41% uh, improvement of well-being. How often do you walk your dog? Multiple times per day, I will mm-hmm. say. And it's true. Okay. There's not a lot of times that I'd be like, let's just go for a walk unless if I had her. Um, so I totally right. get what you're saying. Is there like an average length of a walk that you should say owners should aim for each time they step outside? Yeah, it all depends on the, you know, the type of dog. I have a German Shepherd that the book is about and he's a larger size dog so he he requires you know 25 minutes or so but basically anything that you do with the dog is healthy because you're walking your dog you're communicating with your dog um and also by the way you know not everyone has you know the availability to get a dog depending on where you live so sometimes i always encourage people to go volunteer and go work, you know, maybe a shelter or maybe a rescue. That you can get the same benefits if you're not able to get a dog. Okay. Um, I heard you before say something about bonding with your dog. Anything Mm -hmm. that you suggest people do that will get them healthy but also bond with the little puppers? Yeah, absolutely. I mean, bonding with your dog is an excellent way to just communicate with your dog um, you know, eye contact. I mean, over the years, um, you have your dog, what, you know, usually six, seven, eight, nine, ten, even some dogs last, you know, hopefully, you know, to 14 or 16. But 
you create such a bond with your with your dog, and that creates, you know, this comfort zone with your dog. I mean, even doing stretching and exercise with your dog on a daily basis is encouraged. Anything to get movement with your dog, because guess what? Even dogs get obesity, right? Sometimes just, yeah. uh, they see some heavy dogs, and it's always encouraged to walk your dog and the dogs benefit, too, because that bonding, the exercise, the fresh air, it's all tied to longevity. That's this weekend's Nicole Murray with Maria Dello, nutritionist and author of a book called Theodore Says, Dogs Are People, Too. Coming up next, maximizing your vacation time. For all the ones who get it done, Granger is always there to help. Granger offers supplies and solutions for every industry, 24-7 support, free access to product specialists, and experienced staff at over 250 local branches. Plus, they provide real-time product availability online and have sourcing specialists who can help you track down hard-to-find items. And their commitment to being your safety partner can help you keep your facilities safe and your people safer. Call 1-800-GRANGER, click Granger.com, or just stop by. Granger for the ones who get it done. Thanks for spending part of your weekend with us. Gordon Deal with Nicole Murray coming up this half hour. College basketball teams that get paid for a smackdown. Also, what cold showers do for you. And a wild lost and found dog story in about 20 minutes. Well, Americans, as you probably know, are terrible at using vacation time. And yet, as the new year gets underway... Posts about maxing out PTO or paid time off have been making the rounds on social media. More from Natalie Compton, travel reporter at The Washington Post. Natalie, take us through it. Sure. So we've been seeing lots of posts on social media, whether it's TikTok or X, formerly Twitter, of people who are sharing these cheat sheets on what days you should take off in 2024 to really maximize how many days in a row you'll have to yourself. So these are playing off of federal holidays and weekends, and people are, are really appreciative of having somebody do some of that legwork for them if these holidays pertain to you. Allow the, uh, the cynic in me as an older guy to come out here. This is, <laughs> this is breaking news to like the TikTok crowd or the 20-somethings that you can schedule vacation yeah. days around like federal holidays and maximize your time. Oh. Absolutely. One of the first things people I spoke to said was, this is not new. We have been strategically planning our days off since we started working and getting days off. So really what I think stands out for people is having this easy thing to screenshot so you can start to plan ahead and be like, oh, right, that's when I should be requesting my paid time off this year. Gotcha. Which does get back to the point you made at the start of your piece, which is that, man, we're terrible at taking vacation time as Americans. How come? Like, what's the data say? Well, we really have a unique culture in the United States that rewards the virtue of working really hard and sacrificing your own pleasure to get ahead in life or ambition over everything else. Work hard, play hard. But we're not really good at the play hard. We don't take off nearly as much vacation time as we're allowed. We leave a lot of it on the table And that's a damn shame, especially because not every country gets these opportunities. And in the United States, not everybody gets paid time off. And and the ones who do, we're not using it all. That's insane. Yeah. 
We're speaking with Natalie Compton, travel reporter at the Washington Post. Her story is called How to Get the Most Days Off with Your Vacation Time in 2024. So give us a little sample of some of the, the holiday slash time off math that uh, some, of the, some of the folks have put together. Sure. The main point is that this won't work for a lot of types of workers in the United States. Healthcare workers, people who work in hospitality, lots of people work on those federal holidays or work over the weekend. So with that caveat, some of the days that people have suggested, one that's coming up next, if you were to take off between January 16th and 19th, you're looking at nine consecutive days off in a row. That's a nice long vacation. And for a lot of these on these calendars, you end up with about nine days off. So the next one you could think of would be February 20th through the 23rd. And you're only using four vacation days, but if you have those federal holidays, you actually get nine days off. Yeah. And this continues through the entire year. It sounds great in principle, but as you point out, it can be expensive to travel around those times, though. Totally. So because you are talking about those holidays and whether that's spring break or Christmas or Thanksgiving, those are statistically the highest cost travel, whether you're looking at flights or hotels. So you win some and you lose some. A hack for getting around those more expensive issues is things like flying midweek instead of right around the holiday. So maybe you book those nine days off, but you're not traveling for the entirety of them. So you can save a little money by flying on an off peak day. The other thing that you could do that travel experts like myself and the ones I interviewed for the story suggest say is use those days as when you're going to travel, but don't be specific about where you're going to go. Be like, I want to take a nine day trip somewhere and follow the deals instead of being like, I'm going to use these nine days to go to Paris. That way you can get around those expensive holiday periods and take a great vacation somewhere and relax. Yeah, I do like that strategy. Uh, Finish up, if you would, about um, your point about knowing the paid time off policies at your job. Every company is going to be different with how they handle your paid time off. Some people in the comments of these viral videos and tweets mentioned, my company won't give me a paid holiday if I take the day before off or the day after. So you might be working with one of those companies that penalizes taking some of these days. So know that before you book. Thanks, Natalie. Natalie Compton, travel reporter at The Washington Post. Coming up next, small colleges paid to get crushed in basketball games. If you still have landline phone service, you may have noticed that your monthly bills have been skyrocketing. That's because the FCC no longer regulates copper lines and phone companies are jacking up the price of their service. UMA is an internet home phone service that lets you keep enjoying the safety and peace of mind of a home phone without paying an arm and a leg. In fact, with a one-time purchase of the UMA Tello, you get internet home phone service for free. All you pay are applicable taxes and fees. Unlike mobile phones, UMA has address-based 911, so dispatchers will know exactly where to find you in an emergency. In the event you call 911, UMA can send a text alert to loved ones. UMA even includes a free mobile app so you can take your home number on the go. And don't worry, you can keep your home phone number for a one-time fee or get a new one for free. Setup is easy. It takes less than 10 minutes. Stop paying too much for home phone service. Visit UMA.com slash Gordon Deal today to get a special discount. That's O-O-M-A dot com slash Gordon Deal. 
Thanks for spending part of your weekend with us. The College of Biblical Studies, an evangelical school in Houston, with an enrollment of about 400, is trying its hand at women's college basketball. The results so far have not been pretty. They recently lost by a record 141 points to Grambling State. More from Jared Diamond, sports reporter at the Wall Street Journal. Jared, why do they agree to this? So this is a, this is a topic I've been interested in for a few weeks now, because if you remember, back in December, there was another game very similar to this, a men's game uh, between North Dakota State and a small school called Oak Hills Christian College, where the final score was 108 to 14. And then a month later, or not even a month, you have this Grambling State uh, situation as well. So I started wondering, what is going on here? Why are Division I college basketball teams playing against these tiny, uh, mostly religious institutions, many of which literally have, you know, 100, 200 students in them at all? What the heck is going on? And what I came to learn is like everything else in sports these days it really is a, it's a issue of money it is a it's a financial decision on both ends here's what's happening these division 1 teams these smaller division 1 teams like a Grambling state or a north dakota state they often have trouble scheduling home games uh, early in the season because the bigger schools have no interest in traveling to a place like north dakota state or Grambling state to play a game Uh, So they're looking for people to play. The one way to find people to play is literally pay them Mm. to come play you. And this is not unusual. In fact, a school like Grambling State is probably a school that's receiving money to go, say, play a team like, let's just say hypothetically, go play Duke or whatever. Duke might, or LSU, better example, in the state. LSU might uh, say, Grambling State, hey, we'll we'll give you some money to come play us. You're going to get crushed. But uh, you'll get paid for the for for the trouble. This is the same thing, but on a bigger scale. Because in order to find a team willing to take that money, they have to go below Division One to this other conference, this other association altogether, yeah. the National Christian Co- College Association. Uh, so they pay these schools money to come play them. And for a small school like that, that sort of payday, even if it's just you know three thousand dollars, four thousand dollars, five thousand dollars. That often is, you know, maybe 10% of their athletic budget for the entire year. Sure, sure. We're not talking about LSU. We're talking about Oak Hills Christian or College of Bi- Biblical Studies. So they take the payday knowing they're going to get crushed. And in this case, they got really crushed. <laughs> We're speaking with Jared Diamond, sports reporter at the Wall Street Journal. His piece is called, They Just Got Beat by 141 Points. They Want a Rematch. I mean, the College of Biblical Studies... It is small, obviously, but the program is so new. The women's program is so new. I think you said they, they all these freshmen like who were never recruited out of high school. They play in a church gym. Yes. Yeah, so the College of Biblical Studies started their basketball program this year. They played their first game ever in October, men, men and women. They never had uh, any sort of athletics program before, uh, and they decided to start one, uh, thinking it would help enrollment, uh, enrollment is very low at a school like this. Obviously, these, a, a school like the College of Biblical Studies is only going to appeal to a, you know, a certain kind of person, someone looking for a very specific kind of education. It is a, it's a Bible college. They offer degrees that are very religious in nature, understandably. Uh, but like basketball is a, diff, 
it sort of does attract a different kind of person. Some of them might not otherwise consider the College of Biblical Studies, uh, but they're not uh, going to be able to attract the big stars, especially not right away. So the women's team at the school is eight freshmen, uh, none of whom were really recruited. They're basically people that might have played high school basketball and may have had trouble for one reason or another getting into another college because of academic reasons, financial reasons, whatever it is. And now they're told, hey, you want to keep playing basketball? And we'll, you can come here to the College of Biblical Studies. Thanks, Jared. Jared Diamond, sports reporter at The Wall Street Journal. Coming up next, do cold showers provide health benefits? Now your ideas don't have to wait. Now they have everything they need to come to life. Dell Technologies and Intel are creating technology that loves ideas, loves expanding your business, evolving your passions. We push what technology can do so great ideas can happen right now. Find out how to bring your ideas to life at dell.com slash welcome to now. That's dell.com slash welcome to now. Hey, glad you're with us. Does it provide benefits if you take a daily cold plunge or a cold shower? The benefits seem up for debate. David Oliver, wellness reporter at USA Today, tried a cold shower for a year. David, how'd this come about? So basically, I was editing an article, actually, by one of our contributors um, who talked about how taking a cold shower could, um, well, I guess in the first place, the whole idea behind this is people start taking cold plunges in an effort to, you know, boost their dopamine, help with their moods, um, flooding your body with adrenaline helps increase energy, um, things like that. So it seemed like an interesting idea. And he said that you could get the benefits from the cold plunge by also taking a cold shower. Um, so I thought, oh, well, that's perfect. I don't have a plunge pool. Maybe I'll try this taking a cold shower thing. And it's not that you just only take cold shower every day. It's that you do it like for a minute, a minute to three minutes after your hot shower. So it's sort of like a coda to like your morning shower or something. So to me, that felt simple enough to try. So I started doing it um, and I started started with like a lukewarm shower to begin with. And then slowly, you know, would turn the water colder and colder on different days. And then I got into the habit. I started with a little system of just like how long I felt about a minute was. Hmm. And it just sort of, you know, worked for me. Did you find that there were either physical or mental benefits? I think mental benefits for sure. I think if anything, it sort of just forced me to take deep breaths. I think it's easy for us to just, you know, sit and like kind of take deep breaths in the middle of our workday if we need to or something. But this felt like a very like conscious thing I could do where I was only focusing on this for like a few minutes out of my day without interrupting anything else that I was doing. It just felt like a really smart, easy way to start my day. And I think it really did work. I feel like I would leave the shower and feel kind of like, okay, like a little bit zen to start my day. I can't promise that it, you know, helped anything physically. I feel like I felt pretty much the same. I think I was also in the process of last year, um, working out more with a different fitness regimen. So maybe there were things that kind of worked in tandem that helped me feel overall better, but I can't point to the shower specifically just doing that, I would say. We're speaking with David Oliver, wellness reporter at USA Today. He took a cold shower every day for a year and is reporting back on what it did for him. Um, would there be benefits if you just tried it, I don't know, one day a month? Or does it? You know, do you need to be consistent about it for, for there to be any benefits? Um, you need to be consistent about it. People that I, I guess, research that I looked at and a fitness expert, Jillian Michaels, that I talked to, um, said that 11 minutes um, per week is really ideal. 
So that could be divided up over a certain amount of time. But that I would say once a month is probably not your best bet to get the best benefits. And there's still research being done as to how many benefits you'll actually get, whether it's, you know, actually good for a certain inflammation, things like that, the actual physical benefits. So um, more research needs to be done for sure to figure out, I guess, the maximum benefits. But 11 minutes seems to be the general consensus um, for now, at least. And pro tip, as you pointed out, once you take your cold shower, you don't heat the shower back up again. Right, that's right. And honestly, I will say that it didn't really feel like that I really needed to. Typically, once you know I take a cold, like after the cold shower and turn the water off, I think the air itself isn't as cold. So I feel like when I grab, by the time I grab my towel and everything, I wasn't like freezing. Also, the point is to not be in this position long enough where you start shivering. Because at that point, it's actually going to potentially do more, you know, harm to your body that way. It's going to tense up your muscles in a way that um, will actually be counterintuitive. So in general, it's like, you know, make it cold, but don't go crazy um, and just be careful there. So in theory, you should probably feel okay and not feel the need to heat it up. I would say, yeah, that's your best bet. What about uh, actually soaking in one of those tubs versus a cold shower? So allegedly that's sort of better in general. I think that Jillian Michaels was saying that like in a way you almost go numb in those situations and it makes it somewhat easier to get through versus a cold shower, which like you might feel a little bit more with the constant pressure of the water and everything. Um, so if certainly if you have one or have access to one, you can certainly try it out, but a cold shower can still give you some of the same benefits. So it's just a kind of easier way to do it if you don't have access to a cold plunge. Thanks, David. David Oliver, wellness reporter at USA Today. We'll finish with this. Utah Jazz basketball player Kelly Olinick and his wife Jackie were driving through San Antonio when they noticed a gray dog wandering alone in a parking lot. They were in town for a game with the Spurs. At that moment, he told the Washington Post their mission had changed. The couple, who has a pair of dachshunds at home, looked up animal shelters in the area to see if the friendly mixed-breed pup had a microchip, but the shelters were closed. So they went to an emergency vet instead and found some basic but outdated info. Friends, on behalf of the Linux, reached out to the owner on social media, even emailing her employer. Ultimately, someone agreed to keep the dog in their backyard for the night since they were in a hotel. Not surprising, though, Harley the dog escaped and found his way back to Jackie's lap. This has gone on now for more than nine hours at this point. Finally, the owner called. The Linux drove 10 minutes to the woman's home for the happy reunion. Turns out Harley had been missing for four years. Maybe there was karma in the air when the Jazz beat the Spurs the next day. That'll do it for this hour. For Nicole Murray, I'm Gordon Deal. Thanks for listening to This Weekend 